And welcome back, everybody, to Double Down with Breslow, where we cover everything going on in the fascinating world of sports betting, focusing primarily on the business of sports betting. And one of the more lucrative sides of the business sports betting is sports handicapping, which can include all kinds of different elements to it. Uh, but we've got with us a, one of the, the longest standing sports handicappers. I'll, I'm, I assume you're okay with that title, but you can tell me if, if, if that's okay or not. It's Richard Frazier, CEO of Pro Consulting, been located in Vegas since 1999. And I'm going to dare say uh, one of the longest standing sports handicappers in Vegas. Is that a decent enough introduction, Richard? Fair enough, Jim. I'll take that. Okay. So, so tell us, I mean, do you consider yourself a sports handicapper? I'm not real comfortable with the term handicapper. <laughs> uh, handicapper to me indicates uh, that somebody that's looking at players, uh, analyzing uh, how well somebody's doing or somebody's coming off injured reserve or somebody's hot or they play well against this team or better than against other teams. And I don't know. I, to me, that's what handicapping uh, involves. Uh, whereas I'm more of, a, of an analyst uh, in, in terms of numbers. And, and typically that's what pro consulting does. Uh, uh, it has pro consulting has its roots in in the stock market. I'm a former investment banker, and I designed pro consulting originally as a means to find undervalued companies in certain industry sectors based on price earnings ratios. I okay. was met with moderate success on that, but there's a lot of external factors in the stock market that a lot of people may not realize if you're not in a business. Um, you are looking at private companies or public companies? Public companies. Uh huh. So, so looking so, at, at at who, based on their stock price, might be undervalued. Correct. Based on the numbers. It's all and, about and, and, and in a that. nutshell, just so, then before we seg to sports betting. In a nutshell, what was it that you found uh, uniquely uh, in analyzing companies? Well, just in a simple answer, I'm going to say that uh, that uh, say this uh, this particular sector of the market normally trades at ten times on the PE ratio, and and here's an emerging company trading at six or seven times PE. Uh, then there's value in that. So that's what we identify, and we would go to go ahead and recommend that uh, that as a buy for our clientele. Okay. Like I said, there's a lot of external factors involved in the stock market and not to talk about conspiracy theories or anything, but there's, there's a lot of people that have information about what type of uh, numbers are going to be released on their earnings report or whatever ahead of time and, and uh, what companies are out there de deliberately putting buys or holds or sells on it. But uh, anyways, we had success in that part of the business, but I, I just knew that this program could do better. And uh, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, so I was an avid sports fan. I bleed black and gold. So I decided to start applying it to the NFL and point spread records. And the initial results I got were phenomenal. And I said, well, maybe I'm on to something here. So 
I refined it a little bit, tailored a little more to uh, to, to the NFL and, and point spread outcomes, and uh, thought so highly of this, I decided to pack up my family and move to the one place that uh, sports betting was legal, and that was Las Vegas, Nevada. Interesting. How long had you been implementing your NFL analytics before you made that move? Um, I had worked on it for about five years, but uh, I had done some back testing on it. So I, I had a little more proof that it would actually work before I decided to uproot my family. Uh-huh. But obviously during those five years, it was doing quite well. Yes. And, and, and we'll just assume that was just on paper because we know you weren't making any, any wagers in Pennsylvania because that would have been illegal, right, Richard? That's correct, Jim. <laughs> Nobody so, knows the bookie. <laughs> uh, especially in Pittsburgh, I would imagine there, there, <laughs> there's a few of them. Um, okay, so I mean, so what can you tell us about uh, what you were looking at that was causing you to have so much success in betting the NFL? Well, uh, what we do is we use standard deviation and, and number sampling, and I had to find the right combination of both of those. And uh, basically. What we do is we take uh, each team and we look at their point spread history and we're able to assign a numerical value to that team, whether it be a positive or negative integer. And we do that with all teams. And of course, we have matchups every week. And so we do a, com a combined number for that matchup. And we found that certain deviations based on the other matchups during the course of that week had outperformed the others. Uh, in our case, in the NFL, it was three of those matchups out of the 14, 15, or 16 games that were being played that week. Mm -hmm. And is that essentially what you had implemented back in 99 and you're still doing effectively the same thing today? Yes, it, it is. And, uh, you know, it was it was just a matter of finding how how many games can I pull out of this and still have value. Now, I could say I could I could pull a fourth game out or a fifth game out and, and, and give those as plays. But the fact is that there they, they, there may uh, be a leaner, uh, you know, as some handicappers would say, uh, you know, well, this is just a one-star, two-star player, or, you know, as opposed to a four-star player. I, I don't get into any of that, and I, I, I don't really like the way uh, handicappers operate with their terms of locks and whatever, because there is really no such thing. We all know that. The history has shown that the value is in the three plays and I was able to accomplish something that uh, people told me couldn't be done, and that was to to win over 70% ATS over the long term. Now, I, I'll, I haven't done it every single year, but I did it, I believe, four out of my first seven years of being in business. And when you first went to Vegas at 99 to implement this, were you simply using it for yourself and, and betting the games yourself? It's a, it's an interesting story, Jim. I, uh, I started doing it for myself. I really didn't know very many people out here. So I had uh, just met a, a handful of friends. I moved out here in the spring. Obviously, football starts in the fall. I said, uh, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's pull some money together. Let's do this together and, and see, see how it works out. And uh, after 
first three or four weeks of the uh, the first year I was out here, we had unbelievable success, higher than we should have. We were actually twelve and zero through four weeks, but I, you know, that's not a, an expectation every year, of course. But my friends were just mind blown. I, I was also in the Hilton Super Contest at that time, which. At, at that time was the most prestigious contest for professionals out there. I'm sure you're familiar with it. So the, an odd thing happened. After about six weeks, I got a I got a call from a guy who wanted to meet with me, and he ended up being the head of one of the largest betting syndicates located out here in Las Vegas. And he said that uh, that they wanted to be me to be their exclusive provider of information, but there were conditions, some good, some bad. Uh, One of the conditions was that I wouldn't have to bet at all that they would uh, compensate me with uh, 20% of the net, which I have no problem with. I stand by my picks and and I'll be on the same side as you. I don't deserve to get paid if I don't win. So uh, they also guaranteed that, that they would play a substantial amount of money per game. So all that was good. I wasn't going to leave my friends in the dust. I said, hey, I got these guys. They said, no, this was condition number two, that you have to stay silent. Nobody can know who you are. You cannot give these picks out to anybody. You cannot participate in any tournaments. Because what was happening was the Hilton was using this this contest as a means to draw people into their book because they would post the top 10 players in the contest, their, their picks, they would post them on the board. They had to be in by Thursday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all these people were flocking to the book to say, Hey, let's see who pro consulting bet on this week. You know? Right. Um, and by, and by the way, that still goes on today, right? Is it Westgate now that operates it? It's Westgate that operates it and they operate it on a much larger scale than what it was done back in my day. Yeah. So and anybody can do it. It isn't it cost like a thousand bucks or something? Yeah, I think when I entered it back in those days, it was two thousand dollars. Now I think it's a, a thousand, and you could do it via online and, and whatnot. But back then, the business was all in driving uh, physical traffic into the casino or the sports bar. So you had to go in each week to deliver your picks. Yes. Right. Well, you you were allowed to assign a proxy. That was your option, but somebody had to physically go in there and do it. Right. And what you're saying, and this is probably still the case today, that a lot of people would use that. They would look at, okay, who's been who's been in the top ten this so far this year? Who who you know who's doing real well? And then they'll look at their picks for the upcoming week and assume that okay, this guy's been winning at a seventy five percent clip, so I'm going to bet this guy's picks. Exactly. And uh, I had a client that was located in Alabama that I had known from, from years ago. And he called me up one one week and he goes, I'm going to tell you what your picks are before you give them to me. And he read off the uh, the picks. He goes, it's going to be three of these five games because the Super Contest required you to put five games in against the spread where my pro, my pro consulting system only delivers three. So I had to take two other games and throw them in there. Um, but anyways, he read off the five games, and sure enough, it, it included my three. I gave him a one-week pass on that and said, luck. But after doing this for two or three weeks, yeah, people were taking my picks, putting them online, reselling them. Mm. And uh, I realized that this is a problem. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So did you do the deal with the, the big syndicate? 
I did. I did. Uh, I was and, and how big was this syndicate? And, and, and tell us a little bit about syndicates and, and whether they still exist today. Yeah, there was, uh, it, it, back then there was uh, two major syndicates. And when I say major, I'm talking about people that put down hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in, in bets per game. It's, it was, the, the hard part was on them, not me. I, because I already had my program. I, I knew what games to give them, but they're the ones that had to go out and find the best numbers on these games. And again, being the, the Sports betting was only illegal in Vegas. It was very difficult. They would have to make deals with sportsbook operators. Uh, they would have to even go offshore. I know that's a that's a real gray area. Maybe not so gray. Maybe it's dark. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyways, there there was a number of ways they had to to to, to try to get the the amount of money they needed to get down per game without tipping their hand and having the lines move drastically. But I can tell you it was quite a rush for me to have access to the, to the lines on my computer screen in real time and see when I get when I made the call to give those games out to see the lines move across the board, not only in Vegas, but across all the offshore books as well. The lines would move in response to your picks being released, you're saying? Yes. And that's when they were released, what, at the Hilton you're talking about? No, uh, they would, uh, though, because by the time I was dealing with the main guys, I had to, I had to get out of the Hilton contest. So, so how were people learning about your picks then? Because of where the action was coming from. Some people were known as being sharp betters. I don't know if you ever seen the movie Runner, Runner. But there's liaisons that act as a go-between between the offshore books and the actual betters. They're the people that actually guarantee funds going either way. Mm-hmm. But so, so word would get out through them? Yes. When, when a certain runner that was dealing with the so-called sharp guys or wise guys, uh, when they would come in with action, then people would be skeptical. They'd be nervous and say, uh-oh. The smart money's on this game. Let's start moving the line now to get money on the other side. Because as we both know, the books just want the money balanced as much as they can. They're happy taking their vig. Yeah. So under the terms of your new deal, you only made money if they made money and you would make 20% of their upside. And how'd you do? We did extremely well. Uh, I enjoyed uh, a decade and a half of uh, living a, a very good life here in Vegas. Uh, not only financially, but but also enjoying all the amenities that the strip has to offer the the best restaurants, comps, uh, penthouses, comps. Uh, <laughs> now, why why wanted. were you why were you getting comped though? Because I thought uh, you're kind of the silent partner. Well, I was, but there were some people on the inside that knew. I uh, had originally started dealing with a lot of VIP hosts. They were part of my original group that their money was included with the betting syndicates group. So that's that was my way of covering the people that, that started me in the business and keeping them protected. Gotcha. And were there any books because you guys were so successful that would just stop taking your bets? Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they Books are very arrogant. They think everybody's going to be a loser. So uh, they would they would make a deal initially, say, okay, we'll take fifty thousand of your money, 
uh, we'll take 30,000. We did this all over town. And then once you start winning, they gradually cut you back. And if you keep winning, they will eventually just cut you off altogether. So they, I say B, they had to resort, uh, resort to all kind of techniques to try to get this action down. Right. So were they able to continue at least place the bets somewhere in Vegas or, or most of it had to go elsewhere? Well, they were they were able to get a lot of money down in Vegas. It varied uh, from season to season. But uh, for the most part, we were we were able to get, um, you know, most of the money we wanted down at the price we wanted. What they would do is once our bets were made, they would they would tell me, look, we were able to get. 80 percent of the bet down at uh, at plus six. We got ten percent down at plus five and a half, and another ten percent down at plus five. So, and and it was all the money was all pulled together. So it was essentially operating like a mutual fund. All right, let let us take our uh, our break, Richard, and uh, we'll leave a cliffhanger for people because uh, it sounds like somehow the syndicate broke up after a decade and a half. So I want to hear the story as to what happened to it after the break. We're talking to Richard Frazier, CEO of Pro Consulting right back. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. Hi, it's Lauren the Better, and you're listening to Double Down with Breslow on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Welcome back, everybody, to Double Down with Breslow. We're talking to Richard Frazier, CEO of Pro Consulting, and talking about his days uh, in Vegas, his earlier days in Vegas, and then we'll catch up with what he's got going today. Uh, but t tell us what happened to this um, uh, consortium that you were working with that you said broke up after about a syndicate, I should say, that broke up after a decade and a half. Yeah, you know, greed sets in with, with people. Uh, Although most of them stuck to the program, because I always preach equal unit value. You, you, you can't bet different amounts on different games because that could, uh, the only thing I could, could tell people was I was going to give them more winners than losers. And if they altered the uh, unit value, um, then obviously that could affect their, their net income. After having so much success for, for a long period of time, uh, a lot of people assumed that, well, if I lost a game, there's no way he's going to lose two in a row. And some of the guys started taking it upon themselves to go outside of the group and make wagers maybe twice the size, doubling down. And that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. What we what we ended up doing after about 13, 14 years of, of success is uh, these, these guys were older than I was. 
I was too. They were good 25 years older than me. And they were, they, they decided that some of them retired, some of them moved away, some of them passed on. Uh, a lot of them uh, are well-known names, a lot of famous poker players that are in the Hall of Fame. You know, I, uh, I just got a little tired of dealing with it as well. Uh, the money was good, but you know, I had I had done my job, and, and I decided to. We, we just kind of came to a mutual decision to walk away from it, and um, everybody was happy, and I was just enjoying the uh, the splendor of my spoils. And good. Well, so it, it, at least the story didn't end with you being buried in the desert somewhere. Yeah, I'm still here talking to you. So <laughs> or anyone else buried in, in the desert, yeah. or, or we can talk about that another time. What about this? Did the sports books? catch up at all in any way to your analytics and respond to it in a, in a way where, you know, you're no longer seeing kind of the holes in the lines that you had been seeing before? Not really. Uh, the interesting thing about, about my program, Jim, is that the, the games are so random and I know the betting public wants the Sunday night game, the Monday night game, or the Thursday night game, or the big matchup of the week. But the games that I would come up with, and it wasn't by choice, it was by whatever the deviation of the game was, it could be the Colts versus the Texans, a game that nobody cared about. So as much as the books would like to, to think that, you know, I have a feeling they're going to jump on this, it was, it was impossible. Well, the books themselves have to use analytics to set the line to begin with, right? So yes. Somehow the analytics that they're using differ from yours, and you would argue, I guess, that yours are superior to theirs? I guess you could say that the sports book uh, puts out a line. We can go back to the beginning. I see one of your prior guests talk about this. Roxy Roxborough started this, this whole thing with Las Vegas Sports Consultants. The line was set at the startups originally. What they would do is at the end of the day on Sunday, they would open with a betting line for the following week's games. They would just take a limited amount of money on these games, maybe $2,000 so that they can get burned. And they would see which way the money came in. They would make the adjustments in the line, and Monday morning, boom, these lines were posted. Other uh, sportsbooks would grab these lines, post them as well, and adjust them accordingly to how the money came in. What was, in I, other words, it was it was primarily based on, primarily market-driven. Yes, it right. is market-driven. Now, but... You wouldn't say that's changed over the years to they're using more analytics to set that initial line? They may use analytics to set the opening line, but their goal is still the same. And that's to get the, the as close as they can to balance money on each side of the, of the game, of the matchup. Because, again, being that in, in you know, 11 to 10, you know, they that's all they're interested in. And if you throw in the parlay cards and the teaser bets and the prop bets and everything else that's going on, that that's that's all gravy on top of it. But but where they the books stand to get beat is primarily on on games, the the biggest limit uh, games. So mm -hmm. um, that's that's how it works. So. Yeah, the, the, the books don't care. You're not essentially playing against the book as, you're, as much as you are playing against people betting on the other side of the game. 
Right. So uh, I guess what you would say is even if the analytics said the Colts should be favored by seven, if the book knows that, hey, but the the, the market out there, the population is going to tend to want to bet the Colts because it's, they have Peyton Manning or what have you. And so we, we better set it at minus eight instead of minus seven. Right. Therein lies a hole driven by the market and the the, the dumb public. Exactly. And, and that's essentially what the uh, pro consulting set out to do was was find that that difference between what the actual point spread is and what the perceived point spread is, which is the one they post. Because again, balancing the money is all they right. care about. Uh, if you watch some of our prior episodes, you may have heard me refer to Doctor Bob. Is that someone you're familiar with? I uh, I know of the name and uh, knew that he had a reputation, but how he wins and how he plays, I don't know much about. Yeah. Well, it sounds roughly similar to yours. I mean, we haven't gotten into the details of your analytics. And it, if you care to share any of that, I would love to hear it. I don't know what his details were either, frankly, but it sounded pretty similar. I think he was a Berkeley, uh, you know, stat uh, a master's degree from Berkeley in, in stats or something like that. But, you know, he was analyzing games and finding discrepancies between what the line should be and what it was. And supposedly, but it was written up in the Wall Street Journal, the books started really paying attention when he would release his picks. And sure enough, they were changing their lines as soon as his picks were released. Well, yeah, difference being that it was Dr. Bob releasing picks, whereas Pro Consulting, again, I was uh, undercover. You know, it was a, a bunch of wise guys in Vegas making bets as opposed to, to me, even though it was my program that was feeding them the information. So my website says, what's the best kept secret? It's, what, what is the best kept secret in sports betting? And I think that's me because I've been underground for so long. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I realized at this point with, uh, with, like I said, these guys not being around, a lot of them passed on, a lot of them are off the radar now, that, that now I can come out and tell my story. And I've even written a book. It's yet to be published, but uh, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of good details that are very interesting. Right? So on a somewhat simplistic level, can you kind of explain to us how your analytics work, what, what it looks at? Yeah, like I said, we, we don't analyze actual football statistics. We're, we're climbing inside of that. and We're just looking at point spread results. Uh, inevitably, some teams, uh, if, let me say it this way. If you look at point spread results, whether a team ends the season 2-15 and 15 or 15-2, and two, if you look at their point spread records, they're going to be a lot closer to 50-50. With a 17-game season, you can't be 50-50 anymore, but you know what I mean. So most of these teams are going to end up with point spread records that are fairly close to even, but there is a thing called non-conforming data. For whatever the reason, there's going to be some teams that it doesn't matter how big of a number you put on them, they're either going to cover the game or they're not going to cover the game. There's a few teams that work outside this circle. If you look at how they judge Olympic figure skating and the judges all flash their scores up from each country. And what do they do? They eliminate the high score. They eliminate the low score. And then they average out the rest of them. Essentially, that's what I'm doing in my program. I'm taking all the deviations of each matchup. 
I'm eliminating the highs, I'm elimin eliminating the lows, which are what I call the non-conforming data, and I'm taking my slice out of the middle. So what would be an example of a high and a low that you'd be eliminating? Well, for example, a team that's constantly covering against the spread, which is what I want. I want to find differentials between teams that are overvalued versus teams that are undervalued. But I also want to eliminate those particular teams that for whatever the reason they can't cover or for whatever the reason they cover all the time or most of the time. So by eliminate, eliminating that non-conforming data and sticking with the teams that are more balanced in terms of their point spread records, I'm able to come out with a, with a product that, that can win 65 to 70% of the time. And how are you able to do that at the outset of a season? Well, I'm using historical data. Uh, so this is not something that's one season at a time. These teams oh, no, typically, no. it's over a multi-year period. I'm using a history. How, how does the average person want to bet a game? Well, he's going to use his memory. He's going to go and he's going to say, well, this team did this last year, this team did that last year. And so I remember a bad beat I had with this team. I remember winning a lot with this team last year. And that's going to be their initial thought process going into the season. But as we get into week one, week two, week three, week four, now their memory is going to rely on their most recent thoughts of these teams. Mm -hmm. And that's how they're going to make their ratings. It sounds like your methodology is not too far afield from Wayne Allen Root, who was our first guest on this program, and uh, he's kind of moved on to a political talk show and so on from his handicapping days. But broadly speaking, his handicapping method is simply betting against the public, you know, just always going the opposite way of where the public seems to be thinking. Yes and no, because like I said, I don't always go against the bubble, but sometimes I have to eliminate some of those going against the bubble because of the non-conforming data aspect of the program. And so what are you up to today? What, what do, if people want to find you, um, how are you making your money today? Can people uh, subscribe to something? Well, yes, I, uh, I, I'd like to get back into this business. I'd like to help the average better. Uh, the business, the industry itself has changed a lot since I started, but uh, I, uh, I do have a website called phrasewins.com. What, and, what is it again? Uh, Phrasewins.com. So, so F-A-R-Z wins.com? Correct. Okay. And if we go on there, what are we going to see? Well, it's going to give you a little background about uh, how we use our data. And uh, uh, there's a button there to, to, to pay for weekly services or, uh, or a season's worth of picks. And, uh, or you could just subscribe and I will keep you updated as to uh, what we're doing and specials we're offering. Not my favorite way of doing business because it kind of throws me into the category of the, the regular guys out there that are just selling information. I know you've had guests that talk about touts that give out half one team, and half the other team. And, you know, you can work that down to, you know, making some money off of it. I'd rather be on the same side of the fence as the player themselves, it's a, uh, it's a tough road to navigate out there these days. It's very competitive. Mm -hmm. And so for me, somebody that's had as much success as I've had, I would like to be better known. Uh, but unfortunately I'm, I'm not because of the verbal non-disclosure I had with these guys. <laughs> so I'm trying to jump back into the business the best way I can figure out that and know how to do it. 
Cool. Um, I don't know if you listen to our Sharp Rank episode, but are you familiar with those guys? And are they do they track your picks, Sharp Rank? Uh, I am not familiar with them. It's something I'd be more than happy to look up. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah uh, Chris I, Chris I, Adams w- w- was the interview. You should check it out. Um, sounds like a very interesting up and coming part of the sports betting industry now, which is both tracking, ranking, and qualifying what what yeah. they call the sharps. There's a lot of uh, spin-off businesses that have evolved with the the change in the industry, and that's certainly one of them. Is these these companies or websites that rank handicappers? But I never had a reason to be ranked before. The only ranking I have is the the year I was in the Hilton Super Contest, which I I ended up finishing fourth in. But if I wouldn't have had to put those fourth and fifth plays in, which I finished the negative four on, I would have won the thing. So <laughs> interesting. And uh, how, how did you do last year? Uh, I didn't enter it last year. Uh, there, there's how there's, did your uh, sorry, how, but just I, I, what I meant to ask is just how, how did your picks do last year? Uh, last year we uh, we ended right on sixty-seven point seven percent. We averaged out of our three plays, we averaged two wins and one loss per week last season wow that's that's pretty impressive a lot a lot, a lot of people like to say that they, they 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 do that but not many people actually do it so um yeah it, it you're, you're saying you do it and but i'm i'm gonna choose to believe you <laughs> well i appreciate that and uh yeah i uh, i'm candid i'm sincere and i uh speak the truth so this is why i'm not afraid to be on the same side as the better you know and i like i said if 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 I could work directly with big money investors and betters again, if I could find a way to do that, I'd be more than happy to. But right now, as we head into the, uh, the football season, the only way I, I know how to do it now is to do it like everybody else is doing it. So Cool. All right. Well, we'll certainly promote it uh, through this show and um, see what comes up. I'm going to definitely uh, check it out. I, I could use some help myself. Well, Jim, I'd be more than happy to give you the information. Oh, that's amazing. And then I can report it on, on this show. And I'm gonna come find and I'm gonna come find you if if things don't go well. <laughs> well that, that's fine. You know I'm right by Green Valley Ranch. <laughs> that's right. All right. Tell everybody the web the website again. What was it? Phrase F R A Z Phrase W I N S wins.com all right richard frazier ceo of pro consulting thanks so much for joining us and thank you all for listening and watching double down with breslow we'll be back soon with another episode take care thank you jim i want you to smash that like button In a world where secrets have consequences and lies can't be hidden forever, immerse yourself in the gripping new thriller No Lie Lifts Forever by Todd M. Schoenberger. Join Wall Street hedge fund manager Travis Carmichael as he delves deeper into a web of corruption and conspiracy, finding himself entangled in a high-stakes game where souls are at stake, and trust is a luxury he can't afford. Critics and readers can't get enough of this heart-pounding page-turner, calling it a masterfully crafted suspense novel that will leave you breathless. No Lie Lives Forever is a masterfully crafted thriller that will leave you guessing until the very end. With its intricate plot twists and unforgettable characters, this is a must-read for fans of suspense and mystery. From the mind of acclaimed author Todd M. Schoenberger comes a novel that will challenge your perceptions and keep you turning the pages late into the night. 
critics and readers alike can't get enough of, No Lie Lives Forever. It's been hailed as a gripping roller coaster ride, a true page turner that will leave you breathless. Don't miss your chance to uncover the truth. Immerse yourself in the suspenseful world of No Lie Lifts Forever by Todd M. Schoenberger. Available now on Amazon and at finer bookstores near you.